This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash retailanywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retailanywhere. Hello, and welcome to Daily Drive. It's Tuesday, March 29th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. We've got another production stop and a couple of surprising continuations. Tesla is eyeing another stock split. And for the non-Tesla crowd, we've got the results of the Automotive News annual dealer census. Also, Ukraine and Russia are set to talk about ending the war. Among the interested parties, automakers with billions of dollars of assets in Russia. We'll get to that later. First, let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. The number of U.S. dealerships and franchises dropped marginally in 2021, while sales rebounded a bit from the first COVID year. The result? Automotive News annual dealership census found that new vehicles sold per franchise increased 3.6% last year to 466. The throughput gain came as U.S. light vehicle sales, excluding Tesla, rose 2.5% to nearly 14.75 million vehicles. Toyota, which has long held the industry's throughput title, remained atop the rankings and widened its lead. The automaker saw average throughput jump 10% to 1,638 vehicles sold per franchise, more than triple the industry average. Toyota's luxury brand Lexus unseated Honda for the number two spot. BMW finished fourth. Subaru was fifth. The overall dealership count slipped three-tenths of 1% to 18,211 stores. Total new vehicle franchises dropped 1.3% to 31,410. You can get all the details at autonews.com. We've got some organizational and personnel changes at GM. The company is creating a new organization. It calls Commercial Growth Strategies and Operations. That might sound like the entirety of the business, but it will actually oversee U.S. sales operations, EV retail innovation, and GM's fleet business across the company's brands. Steve Hill will lead the organization. The 60-year-old has been vice president of Global Chevrolet since 2019. Scott Bell, who is currently president of GM Canada, will replace Hill overseeing Chevy. Marissa West will become president of GM Canada. The leadership changes are effective April 1st. Sticking with the Detroit automaker, a former General Motors manager was indicted on charges of conspiracy to commit bribery. Prosecutors allege that Hyung Nam So accepted $3.4 million in cash from a South Korean parts supplier in exchange for the company winning a contract in 2015. So was a global purchasing and supply manager at GM who oversaw parts used to build interiors of North American vehicles. Despite not being the lowest bidder, the supplier was awarded the contract. So left GM a short time later. In a statement, GM says it is cooperating in the probe. Turning to Europe, Porsche has once again cut output in Germany due to a shortage of parts as a result of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The automaker has cut shifts at two factories this week, among the vehicles affected the electric Taycan sedan and the Macan crossover. Alternatively, a little good news for production. 
General Motors and Volkswagen Group say their Shanghai operations have not been affected by the city's lockdown. Government officials there have instituted strict COVID-19 regulations in an effort to stop the spread of the virus. GM and VW each operate factories in the city as part of joint ventures with state-owned SAIC Motor. The government has said factories that put in closed-loop systems, also known as a bubble, can continue to operate. Tesla has suspended output at its plant near the city through Thursday. Speaking of Tesla, the electric car company will seek investor approval to increase its number of shares. That move would enable a stock split, possibly through a dividend. The proposal has been approved by Tesla's board, and shareholders will vote on the measure at its annual meeting. The date has not been set. As you may recall, Tesla had a five-for-one split in August 2020. Tesla's stock closed yesterday at just under $1,100 a share. And that's the news you need to know. Russian President Vladimir Putin threatens to nationalize assets of Western companies. Would he really do it? We'll sort it out after this. As online experiences have continued to evolve, it's clear dealers need an approach that will keep them in the business for the long term. Chris Walsh, Casey Edwards, and Dave Bates, top Reynolds executives, sat down to discuss today's digital retailing landscape. Here's an excerpt from that roundtable discussion. So what are dealers trying to do to get this fully online and online to in-store experience? I mean, that's a great question, and honestly, it's, a, it's kind of a hard one to answer because retailers are kind of defining and using digital retailing differently. You know, to some dealers, it's selling a car. To other, it's sales and F&I, and they, they tend to be approaching it in chunks versus, you know, kind of a holistic, holistic approach, and then you end up just focusing on one or two things when you need to focus on, you know, more of a big picture. Digital retailing is dealership operations, period. Reynolds Retail Anywhere approach focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this big picture holistic approach, visit reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retail anywhere. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. Ukrainian and Russian negotiators are meeting in Turkey, the first face-to-face talks in nearly three weeks. The two sides are clearly far apart, and if a ceasefire can't be reached, in addition to the ongoing human tragedy, there's also the question of what happens to the factories owned by global companies in Russia. Automakers and suppliers have plants in Russia that aren't being used, and Putin has threatened to expropriate them. Even if he doesn't, Is there an economic or political scenario that makes those assets attractive again? Our John Irwin has been looking into the situation and the speculation surrounding it. John Irwin, welcome back to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me again. John, you've been covering the industry impacts of this war in Ukraine for us, really complementing some excellent work being done by our colleagues at Automotive News Europe. This week, you explored one of the really contentious you know, possible outcomes of Putin's aggressive behavior, this possibility that Russia will seize and nationalize auto assembly and auto parts plants in the country that are being used currently by global manufacturers. Is that really something people think he would do? Yeah, I mean, it's you look at Russia and uh, 
you know, right now it's reeling uh, because of the economic sanctions being placed on it. And uh, one of the things that Russia is looking into doing is uh, nationalizing um, not just automotive companies, but um, uh, the uh, facilities of uh, any Western company that's uh, left uh, because of uh, the war in Ukraine um, and its invasion. Uh, you know, I was talking to Joe McCabe um, at Auto Forecast Solutions. Um, you know, as he mentioned, uh, you know, Putin's not exactly someone who um, uh, is afraid to make a threat um, and follow through on it, um, even if, you know, people might think it might not make a lot of sense. You know, it's something that's happening. And, uh, you know, there there's a risk here that um, these plants that automakers have, you know, temporarily shut down in Russia um, could be taken over um, as a way for Russia to, you know, try to, you know, get something in its economy going again. Yeah. And, you know, probably a certain amount of revenge, you know, that they're making him look bad or, or siding with the West. Mm -hmm. I mean, which, which companies are seen as, as most vulnerable? Uh, Renault, Nissan, Mitsubishi Alliance definitely seems to be, um, uh, you know, the most vulnerable here, um, the Alliance as a whole, um, last year, according to Alex partners, um, uh, about 7.8% of its global vehicle sales came from Russia. Uh, that's compared to about 2% uh, for uh, most automaker, major automakers globally. Um, uh, Hyundai as well um, at 5.7% last year. Um, and those companies rely on Russia a bit more uh, than others. Um, uh, Renault, of course, has a plant uh, near Moscow that had opening uh, running again uh, just recently, but um, uh, opted to close down again, uh, Russia, you know, that could be a, a potential target uh, for uh, Russia to seize, but we'll see what comes of that. Yeah, that Renault plant, in addition to being, you know, caught in the political crossfire, if you will, you know, the fact that they make Lada's, uh, you know, a, a truly Russian brand uh, probably makes it something more appealing to uh to putin to want to to take over or to say this isn't really yours anyway but it certainly would would seem more justifiable than say you know hyundai plant right <laughs> right it's just exactly. foreign and, you know, so it's, but but seizing these plants whether it's you know one of the those companies or a you know a luxury brand that's Mm, that's not going to be the same as taking over a thriving business. The getting parts would be a challenge. Selling products even would not be easy. It doesn't seem like. No, yeah, certainly not. Uh, you know, Russia right now, of course, uh, is just you know completely cut off from uh, you know the global automotive supply chain. Uh, you know, it re relied a lot on you know trade with Europe, um, uh, global trade, of course, as we know, but especially with Europe. No one's going to be doing business with Russia anytime soon. Um, uh, even if they were to, you know, seize a plant, you know, they could seize it as, you know, a piece of property uh, for the land. Uh, but they're not going to be able to just start building a vehicle right away, considering uh, it's not like every single one of their parts is sourced from within Russia. Uh, that's going to be extremely difficult for them um, should they choose to go in that direction. Uh, you know, this is something that uh, has sort of you know, been on automakers' radars for a little while, Um you know, this possibility, um, you know, certainly, you know, we've seen suppliers as well, um, Aptiv, for instance, you know, moving production out of their region. Um, uh, and I don't think many uh, companies are going to be super eager to get back in um, to the region, considering all the instability, even if 
you know, the, the, the conflict were to end tomorrow. Um, it's not like companies are going to be eager to want to be doing business with Russia um, anytime soon. You know, what you're saying makes a lot of sense relative to, you know, the European brands and uh, the Asian, the big Asian, global Asian companies, but they are still getting to do, I mean, uh, a fair amount of business with China, maybe India. Uh, there could be some supply chains there. It would probably be different than the ones that are currently in place and, and inconvenient at best to set up. Yeah, uh, that'll be interesting to see if they go that route in the long term. It seems like that's probably, um, again, talking with Joe McCabe, that seems something uh, that could play out over the long run. You know, we see that even just zooming out beyond just the automotive industry, you know, Russia and China, um, you know, increasingly, you know, Russia relying on China moving forward. Um, and, you know, we could see potentially Russia's automotive industry relying a lot more on China moving forward. But uh setting up a new supply chain, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that's definitely more of a long-term play versus, um, you know, the seizing a plant right now. Um, as, as far as being a short-term remedy, uh, it's not like these parts are just going to, you know, magically start appearing at uh, some of these plants moving forward. And it's not going to put Russians back to work anytime right. soon. Right, exactly. So alternatively, there has been some talk about maybe some peace talks getting going again. Seems unlikely, but you can't get peace without some talks at some point. But even if there was a resolution fairly quickly, uh, why might manufacturers be reluctant to go back in and, and try to get, you know, get all the factories running again and, and start making all the cars they need when we're so undersupplied as a global industry. Yeah, I was talking with uh, Mark Wakefield at Alex Partners about this uh, recently. And, you know, he said that, you know, this has always sort of been a risk, you know, with Russia, um, you know, uh, just given you know, the country's government and um, uh, the way the country has uh, behaved, as he put it. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons, you know, they're uh, hasn't been, you know, in recent years, ever since uh, the fall of the Soviet Union, that uh, there hasn't been a massive uh, investment into Russia the way that, you know, uh, after NAFTA, you know, there was a huge investment in Mexico, you know, on the right. surface, it might make sense, kind of lower wage compared to Western Europe, um, just like Mexico sort of serves as the low wage uh, center for North American auto production. But um, uh, that risk has always been there. And it's been a big reason why companies uh, have been a little hesitant to just dive all the way in. Um, and now, you know, they, they, they're thinking about, you know, actively leaning into that, pursuing this. Um, and the, just the, uh, of course, the uncertainty in the region now, just given um, uh, the invasion, you know, that's a risk that companies are gonna have to plan for now um, is instability in Europe. Um, you know, this being the first major land war in Europe since, World War II, um, something companies are going to have to keep an eye on and uh, setting up shop near Russia or certainly in Russia might not be very appealing right now, given that. Yeah, well, and it wasn't really a great economy or car market anyway. I mean, there had been that time where Russia was thrown in with, you know, China, Brazil and India, maybe South Africa, you know, as these potential next tier economies or you know obviously china is uh you know has grown to uh, to be massive is really 
kind of the only one to come to full fruition. I mean, Brazil had some progress. India has had halting progress. Russia was so disappointing. I mean, you know, GM pretty much pulled out. Ford exited most of its business there. It just it hasn't been a great market, and uh, and now when you have this kind of extra risk involved, it certainly would lower it on the the ranking of places you want to grow your business. I think that's safe to say. Um, yeah, it's just it's not exactly an appealing place for a. a it wasn't heading into this like you alluded to, and uh, yeah, moving forward, I just don't see why most of these automakers would uh, see Russia as a super inviting place to uh, set up shop again anytime soon. John Irwin, thank you so much for keeping track of all this for us. Thanks so much, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. You can get all the news on global manufacturing, supply chains, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Thanks to Nathan Kadick for editing today's show. Thanks to the ANTV team and web editor Victor Galvin for their help. And thanks to you for listening and making this show part of your daily routine. Now let's all get back to work.